Welcome back, creeps. Oh, we switched oh, it up. The oh, the old switcheroo. Shit. <laughs> Hello, everyone. See? <laughs> That's how I sound. A little bit. Oh, it's usually like, Hello, everyone. When you talk, you're just like, Welcome back, creeps. That's how you sound in my head. Yeah, just trying to bring that energy. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we figured we'd switch it up for you guys to be honest to be perfectly candid to be a hundred percent frank um i'm i was stuck in a rut okay i did research for a story and i found one i found a subject um so what i'll do is I'll, I'll, it's literally a shot in the dark every time i hit google or i use bing um and I'll be like, all right, I'll pick, I see it, I see a topic, pick it, run with it. And eight times out of 10, that's the story I present. And this time it was really fucking easy to find this. Um, but, you know, when I read through it, I was like, yeah, this is fucking gnarly. Has like um, history and shit like that. It's like a crazy true crime. But I was like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Like, I don't want to fuck with true crime. I don't want to fuck with the paranormal. I'm just like, blah, you know? So I was like, you know what? You fucking know what? We're going to do creepypasta. Yep, creepypasta. And then I was like, let's put a poll out on Instagram, see what the creeps say. And literally everybody said do creepypasta except right. for one person. Yeah. So sorry to that one person, but <laughs> we're um, doing creepy pasta. Yeah. Your brothers and sisters said creepy pasta. Yeah. <laughs> um so and another reason why is because um we got some reviews and we have gotten good uh feedback on the creepy pastas that we do. And I think it's because well, pre me personally, I don't have that pressure of trying to remember every detail or get every detail in. Yeah, I'm just having fun with fun. it. Yeah, just it's a lot more relaxed. But yeah, and like super randomly as well, we did just happen to get like two completely separate people just happened to message us yeah. on the same or within the same couple of days being yeah. like, I fucking love that Christmas creepypasta. So I can't guarantee that this one's going to be like as funny or anything, but it's definitely going to be a, a change of pace. Yeah, that, that's that's for sure. That's for true. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, we're feeling pretty fucking good. I'm off tomorrow. So I'm on a bit of a coffee binge right now because I don't drink. But if I'm off the next day, fuck yeah, let's have coffee at 4 p.m. Yeah, I'm let's game. rock and roll. <laughs> I am game. Yeah, also, we just got our laptop back from FedEx. Fuck FedEx. Yeah, fuck FedEx. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, go, I don't know what that castaway thing was all about. I think let's just get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, so you want to go first or do oh, I you, go first? You go first. Or, uh, all right. So let me fucking tell you a goddamn story. Okay. Oh, also for that one person that messaged us to say that they like that weird air conditioning sound in the background. Um, this is for you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> We're just about getting around to the time where air conditioning is a constant. 
So uh, it's fucking hot. Yeah. So you might be in luck. I don't know if you'll pick it up quite as much in these new fancy dancing mics as our old ones. But anyway, I like the air conditioner sound. It helps me go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? In real life. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it might be what some would call an ASMR trigger, like a sleep trigger. Maybe. Maybe. I'm a big fan of ASMR. In case you didn't know. I like the whole. <laughs> yeah, whereas I am not. <laughs> he fucking hates it. Yeah, I no, but through some other like uh, YouTube channel that I watch, I happen to find out that there's an actual like, maybe it's not a medical condition, but it's an official titled thing that in some people like ASMR noises, uh, like trigger a fucking violent reaction or like ser- <laughs> like a an intense angry thing yeah and that's me i cannot help it yeah so now you know a little bit more about us yep and what i have to deal with all right so <laughs> <laughs> this one is called beats bears battlestar galactica no fucking way no it? it's not it's, oh, just, <laughs> it's just called bears <laughs> well then all right, so this one's called this one is called Bears, and the person who wrote it is M. Hostetter. My family had this tradition. Every year on Thanksgiving, we would go to visit Grandpa in the mountains. He lived in this old log cabin for as long as I could remember. I never met Grandma. She died before I was born. One time. After Thanksgiving dinner, when everyone had eaten their fill of turkey, cranberry sauce, and pumpkin pie, Grandpa sat down in the living room and asked me if I wanted to hear a story. Sure, Grandpa, I said. But this time, I don't want to hear a boring story, like the one about your bike. Tell me something scary. This kid sounds like an asshole. He does. Like your fucking bike. (laughs) Who cares about your fucking bike, Grandpa? Yeah, I get it. One wheel, whatever. (laughs) One big wheel, one small wheel, I get it. (laughs) When I read that, I was like, what a fucking ass. (laughs) What a dick. He paused for a moment and scratched his chin and said, go fuck yourself. Just kidding, he didn't say that. He paused for a moment and scratched his chin. Well, I do have one, but it might give you a real fright. I'm sorry, where's Grandpa from? You Like the way it's written, he's Southern. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you'll, see what I'm, you'll see what I mean. Okay. That's why I was like, this one. This is the one I'm doing. Right, right. <laughs> I rolled my eyes. Grandpa, I'm all of 12 years old. I won't be up all night because of a spooky story. All right, then, Grandpa began. Before I met your grandma and settled down here, I worked at the farm down the road harvesting soybeans. Met a man there by the name of Jim, whose job was to train the horses. We soon became Good friends. Like like that kind of friend? No. Oh. Well, the way you said it. Okay. 
<laughs> Everything's gonna sound weird from now on. Okay. <laughs> Just you're in for a world weird of and creeps. suggestive. <laughs> so, this one time during the holiday, Jim asked me if I was down to go hunting. I'd never been hunting before, but it sounded like fun. So I went out and rented myself a Winchester and headed out into the sticks with Jim to look for deer. We never found any. (laughs) That's the end. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) We didn't bring no map, no compass, and soon we were pretty damn lost. That's when it started getting dark. I asked Jim if he could read the stars with him having been in the Boy Scouts and all, but said he done forgot his constellations. So we decided to build a fire and camp out to morning. That there was a mistake. Although now that I think of it, we didn't have much of a choice. It was Barely the crack of dawn when I woke up to Jim shaking me. The fire was out. I must have cussed real loud because he hissed at me to shut up. You hear that? Jim whispered. Hear what? I asked. Then I listened for a moment. I could hear something. Something like a person moaning. Somebody might be in trouble said Jim. Maybe we can help them. Let's go. He picked up his gun. Way to be the hero, Jim. With wariness about me, I hoisted my pack and followed Jim in the direction of the noise. After a few paces, we found ourselves in front of a huge rock, one of them formations made by earthquakes. I could hear the moans coming from the other side. Jim and I peeked around the rock, and what I saw made me freeze in terror. A sliver of morning sunlight fell on the most horrific beast I'd ever seen. At first glance, it looked kind of like a bear, except the bears don't got teeth like razor blades or eyes that glow with ghostly fire. No This creature looked like it done crawled straight out of hell. But the worst part was what was making the moaning noise. It was a young woman, probably a hiker, couldn't have been older than 21. She was sprawled out flat on the ground. The creature had ripped her belly open and was messily devouring her innards splattering her face with blood and bits of gore. I realized the sadistic fuck was saving her most vital organs for last, forcing the poor girl to die a slow, agonizing death. The creature hadn't noticed us. It buried its face in the woman's intestines, chewing and slurping ravenously. She moaned faintly. I knew she was good as dead. And I was also scared straight as shit. 
In a panic, I grabbed Jim by the arm. God damn it, we need to get out of here, man. Jim ignored me. He had this serious look on his face with his jaw set in determination. I knew what he was going to do and tried to stop him, but it was too late. In one swift motion, he raised the rifle and took aim. There was a roar of pain as Jim's bullet buried itself in the monster's hide. It turned towards us, snarling, and I swear I felt those burning eyes stare into my soul. Jim didn't try to reload. He turned and ran. So did I. You know how they say you can't outrun a bear? It's true. But really, if you're with a friend, all you gotta do is outrun him. Unfortunately for Jim, I was the faster one. I didn't even look back, even with his screams ringing in my ears. I ran until I reached a small stream. On the other side was one of those sheds that people use for storm firewood. It was unlocked, thank Jesus. I stepped inside, slamming the door shut behind me, and waited there, my heart beating out of my chest. It felt like an eternity, and the inside of the shed was real cold. But when the monster finally came, I was ready. I leveled my rental Winchester at the door as it splintered and finally gave way. I only had one shot. And if I missed, I would be off to meet my maker. So I aimed for the spot right between the varmint's godforsaken glowing white eyes. Before I could pull the trigger, the monster lunged with lightning speed and pinned me to the back wall of the shed. My forearms hurt like the blazes as its claws dug into my flesh. I could feel the beast's hot, rancid breath on my face and its jaws were about to crush my skull this was the end i thought but then out of nowhere there was this loud piercing whistle never have i met a fella who could whistle like that the monster turned his head in the direction of the sound then it lifted its paws off me and bounded out the shed into the trees and out of sight. I stood there, breathless. Aside from bleeding pretty bad, I was all right. I found a map in a drawer in the shed and used it to get back to the road. From there, I made my way back to the farm where I delivered the tragic news to Jim's family. Everyone wanted to know what had happened. Of course, when I told the story, none of them believed me. I laughed. That was a really good story. You must have spent some time on it. Grandpa didn't answer. He just rolled up his sleeve. I gasped. Etched into the meat of his forearm were three long blue scars. And that's my story. Blue scars? Yeah, because he's old. Blue scars? Uh, really? The hell I, be, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> interesting okay i'm not gonna lie i struggled to actually find um 
decent creepy pastas, and in my frustration, I ended up just kind of blindly picking a few. Yeah. So let's see. This one's called Chat Room A. Chat Room A. Yeah. Okay. It was the summer of 2019. The 16-year-old Thomas Mitchell and his family went on a trip to their cabin in the Stillwater State Forest of Montana. He had two younger brothers, Felix, who was 10, and Michael, who had just turned 14. They usually spend their time hiking and visiting nearby places during the day and playing with their Nintendos in the evening slash night. There wasn't any Wi-Fi in the cabin due to the fact that Thomas's parents wanted the two weeks to be free of social media and more focused on family and nature. This, however, didn't mean that they couldn't bring their old Nintendos with them to do something in the evening. Their cabin was rather old-fashioned, with it being built in the 1960s and the fact that there hasn't been any form of renovation since then. Thomas's great-grandfather built it all by himself, and his family was very proud of that. Thomas and his family lived in Seattle, so it was quite a long drive to the cabin. They left early in the morning and after a few hours, Thomas, his brother, Felix had to go to the toilet. <laughs> what? That's the sentence. Maybe it's meant to say Thomas's brother. Yeah. So they stopped at a local gas station. The rest of the family also thought it was a good opportunity to get some snacks and to get ready for the rest of the drive. When they arrived, it was already about 11 a.m. in the morning and the parking lot was pretty busy. All five got out of the car. Thomas's dad, Scott Mitchell, filled the car with gasoline while Vivian Jones, Thomas's mom, took the three kids to the shop, which was pretty busy. Thomas and Michael went straight to the snacks and Felix ran towards the restrooms. Vivian wait at the restrooms to take Felix to the snacks <laughs> in brackets where his two older brothers were waiting for him. When she heard that a random man was asking him questions, Vivian gasped. <gasps> Felix, what are you doing? Stop talking to strangers. <laughs> she yelled. Felix quit talking to the random man immediately and walked towards his mom. Thomas's mom was annoyed, but also relieved, and took this out on his younger brother. Wow. Thomas and Michael chuckled. They were both shocked and also kind of entertained. All four didn't think much of it, got their snacks, paid for them, but, and went back to the car. But he just said that the two were shocked. I mean, yeah, I think everybody was shocked. And also, to clarify, Thomas's mom is also Felix's mom. Oh. Like, there's only one mom. Okay. Vivian Jones, I think. Okay. Yeah. Vivian so she's Jones. a mom to all these kids. Yeah, I don't know why they had to. Okay. Anyway. I'm with you. All right, keep up now. When Vivian told Scott, Scott Mitchell, the dad, <laughs> about what happened, he was also shocked, but emphasized that nothing bad had happened and that everything was all right. And so they went back on their way to their destination. The moment they arrived, it was already 5 p.m. in the evening. <laughs> and Scott understood that he had to gather firewood in case it was going to be a cold night. An exact week had passed 
The family had forgotten about the small incident during the trip and everyone was home from a long and exhausting day of hiking at a local wildlife park. The fuck? I think they're like home home now. <laughs> I, what? I, oh, no, no, no. It's just a week later and they're still they're at the cabin. Oh, they must be. Okay. okay. It was an evening like every else. Dinner at 7 p.m., <laughs> then TV until 11 p.m. I don't know why you picked this one. I didn't read it. Oh. Until 11 p.m. and everyone went to bed. However, the three had arranged a late night chat with each other when their parents were asleep. How? You might ask. That's the way that's... <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Well, through the Nintendo's old-fashioned chat rooms, they all agreed to meet at around 11.30 p.m. in chat room D. And so they did. Dot, dot, dot. Thomas, a.k.a. Toma2002. Felix, a.k.a. Flying Bat. And Michael, a.k.a. M1C43L. What? That's Michael. Oh. <laughs> We're all three in chat room D. The range of said chat rooms is approximately 65 feet. And that was enough range for all three, given that the cabin was about half of that length. Everyone had a separate room. They all slept in rooms that were connected to each other through one long hallway, which on its turn was connected to the living room and the open kitchen. There was only one door, the front door, which connected, to, which connected the terrace to the living room. See, the cabin was on top of a hill, which was about 55 feet long. The hallway consisted of five doors. First came the bathroom on the right side, then Thomas's room on the right side next to the bathroom. Thirdly, Scott and Vivian's bedroom on the left side. And lastly, Felix's bedroom at the right side across Michael's bedroom on the left side. Jesus, I hope this isn't important. Everybody's because... keeping up, right? Okay, <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go. An hour into chatting, Thomas heard a branch snap outside. He looked up at the one window in his old-fashioned room. Probably just a wind or an animal, he thought to himself. Advertisements, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> What? I copied and pasted from the website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like fucking Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Sorry, folks. You done? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I didn't know. I probably, probably that animal in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me off guard. It's like all in the same text and all. I made sure of that. <laughs> the woods are the natural habitat of advertisements. Oh, advertisements. They're fucking. You gotta watch out for those advertisements. Uh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> As Michael was typing, Thomas was going through the things he had done and seen today the ice cream he ate with his family. The bear he saw. <laughs> the try another branch snapped. Shit. <laughs> Thomas's window was wide open with the fly screen separating him and the outside world. He probably heard it because he's the only one that always leaves his window open at night. Michael had sent a message. Guys, did you see that there's someone in chat room A? Thomas frowned. That's not possible. We're so remote. We only have two neighbors down the street and they're at least 100 feet away. 
I thought he was going to say like a hundred. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's probably just a bug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just a bug. These things are at least six years old now. This thought raced through his mind. He also translated this into a message and sent it to his two brothers. Yeah, I agree with Thomas. It's probably just a bug or something, said Felix. Michael responded with a short, Are you sure? Which made the other two doubt. Thomas went to check if there was still someone else in chat room A. And sure enough, there still was someone else. Lurking around. Should we check it out? Said Thomas. I don't want to get into trouble. Felix responded shortly. He continued, Besides, tomorrow was a big day. Let's cut this short and go to sleep. It was a stupid idea anyway. Fine, go to sleep. But I want to figure this out. Good night, Michael responded. Felix said good night to both of his older brothers, closed his Nintendo, and went to sleep. So what do we do now, Thomas responded. Let's go to chat room A and try to make contact, Michael quickly said. After a few minutes, Thomas said, are you sure that's a good idea? Michael sent a drawn picture of an emoji that pictured a face with rolling eyes. Directly after that, he responded with, Pussy, and left the chat. Thomas's heart was racing. He was becoming uneasy. What if it is a real person? This means that that person is really, really close. Closer than 65 feet, he thought to himself. He figured that his parents were probably already asleep and slowly walked down the hallway towards Michael's room. Thomas knocked. Come in, said Michael. What the hell are you thinking? This isn't a game. This person can be close to us. Really close, Thomas yelled. Shh. Could you keep it down? Or do you want to wake mom and dad? Michael protested. Thomas rolled his eyes. You're going to bring us all into a dangerous situation when you don't stop immediately. But Thomas was already too late. Michael was already talking to the random stranger whose nickname was Here Now. What the fuck? Yeah, his nickname is Here Now. Like. Right. Thomas saw Michael's screen. Are you out of your mind? He could literally be 10 feet away from us. The stranger had only sent a few cryptic messages like Nighttime is coming. And the forest canopy is getting thicker and thicker for you. What? Suddenly they could hear a loud banging coming from the windows of the living room. Both of them froze in fear, terrified for what could happen next. Maybe it's the advertisements. (laughs) (laughs) Advil! I warned you this would happen, said Thomas. Michael didn't say anything. He was completely shocked. He closed the chat and powered his Nintendo off. Let's, uh, let's remain calm, said Michael, as Thomas was taking his anger out on his younger brother. Michael was getting tears in his eyes, but couldn't cry because he was frozen in fear and was shocked. Thomas couldn't stand it anymore. He quietly went to the living room. He stopped when he had reached the windows with the curtains closed. As he could feel his heartbeat, he slowly pulled away one curtain. The window was smeared with a dark substance. It was hard to make out shapes and colours at first, but as his eyes adapted to the combination darkness and moonlight, it quickly became clear what substance this was. It was blood. Bloody hand marks were made all over the window. 
Thomas was disgusted and terrified, but as always, he was curious about who or what did this. He put on his raincoat, grabbed a sharp kitchen knife, put on his shoes and slowly opened the door. When the door was finally opened, the frisky air slammed into his face. The frisky Frisky air. air. You're lucky that's all it slammed into, Thomas. (laughs) Frisky bastard. (laughs) The only thing he could hear was crickets and the sound of rustling in the bushes down the densely overgrown hill. The viewing platform was clear. Thomas was trying to keep up with his heartbeat trying to slow it down. What? But he couldn't when he saw that the small fence gate was open and was no longer open. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? But he couldn't when he saw that the small fence gate was opened and was no longer open. (laughs) He went back inside to grab an electric torch and got back outside to finally close the door behind him. He tried to intimidate the intruder by shouting, Get the hell away! I will call the police. This is our land. (laughs) Jesus. But he could barely yell. Okay, so I guess it was more like, Get the hell away. I will call the police. This is our land. (laughs) I forget what children sound like. (laughs) (laughs) He was so scared that you could hear it in his voice. (laughs) After a few minutes of nothing, He was now at the top of the hill. He had walked all the way down to the place where the car was parked. Even more uncertain than before, he yelled, Hello? He could hear an almost unnatural scream, but not a scream like you'd imagine. It was an almost growl-like scream. Thomas was completely freaked out now. He turned around and went back towards the house. He could hear rustling behind him and knew that it was probably already too late. Was this it? Is this how I meet my fate? Thomas was thinking about unimaginably painful ways to die. Then he sprinted toward the terrace of the house. That's so funny. He was thinking about unimaginable. Yeah. (laughs) Unimaginable things. Then he sprinted towards the terrace of the house. And closed the small and low gate when he had reached the point where he thought he was safe. As he was trying to calm himself down. He could feel a sudden and hard hit on the back of his neck. Bam! Oh shit, you scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Everything slows down and fades to black. Darkness. Dot, dot, dot. That's it. (laughs) Okay, so... That's the whole fucking thing. I don't know. (laughs) So this kid died. I guess. I mean, I don't think they were going very far anyway, so... I'm sorry, creeps. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think that was a great story. Good, good. I'm glad. Just remember, you all voted for this. And re- <laughs> remember, when you're in the woods, watch out for those advertisements. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go to a cabin in the woods. I'm terrified of advertisements. <laughs> okay. Lay one on, Miss Sister. She's not my sister. That would be weird. That would be weird. So when I found this story, I emailed it to myself and I called it like in the title, like the subject line. I wrote the creepy pasta to end all pastas or wets. Please dust my wets. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before we start, I need you to, you know, chill and 
just like relax because this one is a long one, but it's a good fucking one. It's called A Shattered Life by Matt Demersky. You can check this guy out at mattdemersky.com. He is an author now. He like he has books out and stuff like that. And this like after reading this, I was like, I want to fucking check out the rest of his stuff. Right on. And you should, too. Sounds good. I don't know when you're going to read this, but I can tell you when it started. I was out for a walk alone in the woods when the entity came for me. It was beyond a blur. It was, for lack of a better term, absence of meaning. Where it hid, there were no trees. Where it crept closer, there was no grass. Through the arc, it leapt at me. There was no breeze of motion. There was no air at all. As it struck, I felt the distinct sensation of claws, puncturing me somewhere unseen, somewhere I'd never felt before. My hands and arms and legs and torso seemed fine, and I wasn't bleeding, but I knew I'd been injured somehow. As I fearfully ran back home, I could tell that I was less. I was vaguely tired, and it was hard to focus at times. The solution at that early stage was easy. A big cup of coffee helped me feel normal again. For a while, that subtle drain on my spirit became lost in the ebb and flow of caffeine in my system. You could say my life began that week, actually, because that was when I met Mar. She and I got along great, though to be honest, I'm pretty sure I fell in love with her over the phone before we even met. It was almost as if the strong emotions of that first week made the entity fight back. It was still with me, latched on to some invisible part of my being. The first few incidents were minor, and I hardly worried about them. The color of a neighbor's car changed from dark blue to black one morning, and I stared at it before shaking my head and shrugging off the difference. Two days later at work, a co-worker's name changed from Fred to Dan. I carefully asked around, but everyone said his name had always been Dan. I figured I'd just been mistaken. Then, as ridiculous as this sounds, I was peeing in my bathroom at home when I suddenly found myself on a random street. I was still in my pajamas, pants down, and urinating, but now in full view of a dozen people at a bus stop. Horrified, I pulled up my clothes and ran before someone called the cops. I did manage to get home, but the experience forced me to admit that I was still in danger. The entity was doing something to me, and I didn't understand how to fight back. Mar showed up that evening, but she had her own key. Hey, I asked her in confusion, how'd you get that key? She just laughed. You're cute. Are you sure you're okay with this? She opened a door and entered a room full of boxes. I know living together is a big step, especially when we've only been dating three months. Living together? I'd literally just met her the week before. 
thing was my mother had always called me a smart cookie for a reason. I knew when to shut my up. Instead of causing a scene, I told her everything was fine. And then I went straight to my room and began investigating. My things were just as I had left them with no sign of a three-month gap in habitation. But I did find something out of the ordinary. The date. I shivered angrily as I processed the truth. The entity had eaten three months of my life. What the hell was I facing? What kind of creature could consume pieces of one's soul like that? I'd missed the most exciting part of a new relationship, and I would never understand any shared stories or inside jokes from that period. Something absurdly precious had been taken from me, and I was furious. That fury helped suppress this entity. I never imbibed alcohol. I drank coffee religiously. I checked the date every time I woke up. For three years, I managed to live each day while observing nothing more than minor alterations. A social fact here and there, someone's job, how many kids they had, that sort of thing, the layout of nearby streets, the time my favorite television show aired, that kind of thing. Always those changes reminded me the creature still had its claws sunk into my spirit. Not once in three years did I ever let myself zone out. One day, I grew careless. I let myself get really into the season finale of my favorite show. It was gripping, a fantastic story. Right at the height of the action, a young boy came up to my lounger and shook my arm. Surprised, I asked, who are you? How did you get here? He laughed and smiled brightly. Silly daddy. My heart sank in my chest. I knew immediately what had happened. After a few mass questions, I discovered that he was two years old and that he was my son. The agony and heartache filling my chest was nearly unbearable. Not only had I missed the birth of my son, I would never see or know the first few years of his life. Mar and I had obviously gotten married and started a family in the time I'd lost, and I had no idea what joys or pains those years contained. It was snowing outside. Holding my son in my lap, I sat and watched the flakes fall outside. What kind of life was this going to be if slips and concentration could cost me years? I had to get help. The church had no idea what to do. The priest didn't believe me and told me I had a health issue rather than some sort of possession. The doctors didn't have a clue. Nothing showed up on all their scans and tests, but they happily took my money in return for nothing. By the time I ran out of options, I decided to tell Mar. There was no way to know what this all looked like from her side. What was I like when I wasn't there? Did I still take our son to school? Did I still do my job? Clearly I did because she seemed to be none the wiser, but I still had a horrible feeling that something must have been missing in her life when I wasn't actually home inside my own head. But the night I set up an ice dinner in preparation, she arrived not by unlocking the front door, but by knocking on it. I answered and found that she was in a nice dress. She was happily surprised by the setting of the table. A fancy dinner? 
for a second date, I knew you were sweet on me. Thank the Lord I knew when to keep my mouth shut. If I'd gone on about being married and having a son, she might have run for the hills. Instead, I took her coat and sat down for our second date. Through carefully crafted questions, I managed to deduce the truth. This really was our second date. She saw relief and happiness in me, but interpreted that as dating jitters. I was just excited to realize that the entity wasn't necessarily eating whole portions of my life. The symptoms as I was beginning to understand them was more like the consequences of a shattered soul. The creature had wounded me, broken me into pieces. Perhaps I was to live my life out of order, but at least I would actually get to live it. And so it went for a few years from my perspective. While minor changes in politics or geography would happen daily, major shifts in my mental location only happened every couple months. When I found myself in a new place and time in my life, I just shut up and listened, making sure to get the lay of the land before doing anything to avoid making mistakes. On the furthest flung leap yet, I met my six-year-old grandson, and I asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. He said, writer. I told him that was a fine idea. Then I was back in month two of my relationship with Mar, and I had the best night with her on the riverfront. When I say the best, I mean the best knowing how special she would become to me. I asked her to move in. I got to live through what I'd missed the first go-around, and I came to understand that I was never mentally absent. I would always be there, eventually. When we were moving her boxes in, she stopped for a moment and said she marveled at my great love, as if I'd known her for a lifetime, and never once doubted she was the one. That was the first time I truly laughed freely, and wholeheartedly, since the entity had wounded me. She was right about my love for her, but for exactly the reason she'd considered a silly romantic analogy. I had known her my whole life, and I'd come to terms with my situation, and found peace with it. It wasn't so bad to have sneak peeks at all the best parts ahead. But of course, I wouldn't be writing this if I hadn't gotten worse. The entity was still with me. It had not wounded me and departed like I wanted to believe. The closest I can describe my growing understanding was that the creature was burying deeper into my psyche and fracturing it into smaller pieces. Instead of months between major shifts, I began having only weeks. Once I noticed that trend, I feared my ultimate fate would be to jump between times in my life, heartbeat by heartbeat, forever confused, forever lost. Only an instant and each time meant I would never be able to speak with anyone, never be able to hold a conversation, never express or receive love. As the true depth of that fear came upon me, I sat in an older version of me, and watch the snow falling outside. That was the one constant in my life. The weather didn't care who I was or what pains I had to face. Nature was always there. The falling snow was always like a little hook 
that kept me in place. The pure emotional peace it brought me was like a panacea on my mental wounds. I'd never yet shifted while watching the pattern of falling white and thinking of the times I'd gone sledding or built a snow fort as a child. A teenager touched my arm. Grandpa? Eh? He startled me out of my thoughts, so I was less careful than usual. Who are you? He half grinned, as if not sure whether I was joking. Handing me a stack of papers, he said, It's my first attempt at a novel. Would you read it and tell me what you think? Ah, of course. Pursuing that dream of being a writer, I see. He turned bright red. Trying to, anyway. All right. Run off, I'll read this right now. The words were blurry and annoyed. I looked for glasses I probably had for reading. Being old was terrible. And I wanted to leap back into a younger year, but not before I read his book. I found my glasses in a sweater pocket and began leafing through. Mar puttered in and out of the living room. Still beautiful, but I had to focus. I didn't know how much time I would have there. It seemed that we had relatives over. Was it Christmas? A pair of adults and a couple of kids I didn't recognize tromped through the hallway and I saw my son, now adult, walk by with his wife on the way out the door. As a group, the extended family began sledding outside. Finally, I finished reading the story and I called out for my grandson. He rushed down the stairs and into the living room. How was it? Well, it was terrible. I told him truthfully. But it's terrible for all the right reasons. You're still a young man, so your characters behave like young people. But the structure of the story itself is very solid. I paused. I didn't expect it to turn out to be a horror story. He nodded. It's a reflection of the times. Expectations for the future are dismal. Not helpful like they used to be. You're far too young to be aware like that, I told him. An idea occurred to me. If you're into horror, do you know anything about strange creatures? Sure, I read everything I can. I love it. Warily, I scanned the entrances to the living room. Everyone was busy outside. For the first time, I opened up to someone in my life about what I was experiencing. In hushed tones, I told him about my fragmented consciousness. For a teenager, he took it well. You're serious? Yes. He donned the determined look of a grown man, accepting a quest. I'll look into it, see what I can find out. You should start writing down everything you experience. Build some data. Maybe we can map your psychic wound. Wow. Sounds like a plan. I was surprised. That made sense. And I hadn't expected him to have a serious response. But how will I get all the notes in one place? Let's come up with somewhere for you to leave them, he said, frowning with thought. Then I'll get them, and we can trace the path you're taking through your own life. See if there's a pattern. For the first time since the situation had gotten worse, I felt hope again. How about under the stairs? Nobody ever goes under there. Sure. He turned and left the living room. I peered at him. I heard him banging around near the stairs. 
Finally, he returned with the box, laid it on the carpet and opened it to reveal a bursting stack of papers. He exclaimed, holy crap. But of course, being a teenager, he didn't really say crap. Taken aback, I blinked rapidly, forgiving his cussing because of the shock. Did I write those? He looked at me with wonder. Yeah, or you will. You still have to write them and put them under the stairs after this. He gazed back down at the papers, then covered the box. So you probably shouldn't see what they say. That could get weird. That much I understood. Right. He gulped. There are like 50 boxes under there, all filled up like this. Deciphering these will take a very long time. His tone dropped to deadly seriousness. But I will save you, Grandpa, because I don't think anyone else can. Tears flowed down my cheeks then, and I couldn't help but sob once or twice. I hadn't realized how lonely I'd become and my shifting prison of awareness until I finally had someone who understood. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then I was young again. And at work. On a random Tuesday. Once the sadness and relief faded, anger and determination replaced them. After I finished my work, I grabbed some paper and began writing. While the weeks shifted around me, while those weeks became days and then hours, I wrote every single spare moment about when and where I thought I was. I put them under the stairs out of order. My first box was actually the 30th, and my last box was the first. Once I had over 50 boxes written from my perspective, and once my shifting became a matter of minutes, I knew it was up to my grandson to take it from there. I put my head down and stopped looking. I couldn't stand the river of changing awareness any longer. Names and places and dates and jobs and colors and people were all wrong and different. I'd never been older. I sat watching the snowfall. A man of at least 30 that I vaguely recognized entered the room. Come on, I think I finally figured it out. I was so frail that moving was painful. Are you him? Are you my grandson? Yes. He took me to a room filled with strange equipment and sat me in a rubber chair facing a large mirror twice the height of a man. The pattern finally revealed itself. How long have you worked on this? I asked him, aghast. Tell me you didn't miss your life like I'm missing mine. His expression was both stone cold and furiously resolute. It'll be worth it. He brought two thin metal rods close to my arm and then nodded at the mirror. Look, this shock is carefully calibrated. The electric zap from his device was startling but not painful. In the mirror, I saw a rapid arcing light silhouette appear above my head and shoulder. The electricity moved through the creature like a wave, briefly revealing the terrible nature of what was happening to me. A bulging, leech-like mouth was wrapped around the back of my head, coming down to my eyebrows and touching each ear, and its slug-like body ran over my shoulder and into my very soul. It was a parasite and it was feeding on my mind. My now adult grandson held my hand as I took in the horror. 
After a moment, he asked, Removing it's going to hurt very badly. Are you up for this? Fearful, I asked. Is Mar here? His face softened. No, not for a few years now. I could tell from his reaction what had happened, but I didn't want it to be true. How? We have this conversation a lot, he responded. Are you sure you want to know? It never makes you feel better. Tears brimmed in my eyes. Then I don't care if it hurts or if I die. I don't want to stay in a time where she's not alive. He made a sympathetic noise of understanding and then returned to his machines to hook several wires, diodes, and other bits of technology to my limbs and forehead. While he did so, he talked. I've worked for two decades to figure this out, and I've had a ton of help from other researchers of the occult. This parasite doesn't technically exist in our plane. It's one of the lesser spawns of me see me, and it feeds on the plexus of mind, soul, and quantum consciousness slash reality. When details like names and colors of objects changed, you weren't going crazy. The web of your existence was merely losing strands as the creature ate its way through you. I didn't fully understand. I looked up in confusion as he placed a circlet of electronics like a crown on my head in an exact line with where the parasite's mouth had ringed me. What's a me-see-me? He paused his work and grew pale. I forgot that you wouldn't know. You're lucky, believe me. After a deep breath, he began moving again and placed his fingers near a few stitches. Ready? This is carefully tuned to make your nervous system extremely unappetizing to the parasite, but it's basically electroshock therapy. I could still see Mars smile. Even though she was dead, I'd just been with her moments ago. Do it. The click of a switch echoed in my ears and I almost laughed at how mild the electricity was. It didn't feel like anything, at least at first. Then I saw the mirror shaking in my body within that image convulsing. Oh, no, it did hurt. Nothing had ever been more painful. It was just so excruciating that my mind hadn't been able to immediately process it. As my vision shook and the fire burned in every nerve of my body, I could see the reflected, trembling light silhouette of the parasite on my head as it writhed in agony equal to mine. It had claws, six clawed, lizard-like limbs under its leech-like body, and it cut into me in an attempt to stay latched on. The electricity made my memories flare. Mars' smile was foremost, lit brightly in front of a warm fire as a snow fell past the window behind her. The edges of that memory began lighting up, and I realized that my life was one continuous stretch of experience. It was only the awareness of it that had been fragmented by that feasting evil on my back. I'd never managed to be there for the birth of my son. I jumped around it a dozen times, but never actually lived it. For the first time, I got to hold Mar's hand and be there for her. No, no. That moment had shifted seamlessly into holding her hand as she lay in the hospital bed for a very different reason. Not this. God, why? It was so merciless to make me remember this. 
I broke down in tears as nurses rushed into the room. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to experience it. I'd seen all the good parts, but I hadn't wanted the worst part. The inevitable end that all would one day face. It wasn't worth it. It was tainted. All that joy was given back 10,000 fold as pain. The fire in my body and in my brain surged to sheer white torture and I screamed. My scream faded into a surprised shout as the machines and electricity and chair faded away. Snow was no longer falling around my life. I was out in the woods on a bright summer day. Oh God. I turned to see the creature approaching me. It was the same absence of meaning, the same blink on reality. It crept forward, just like before, but this time it hissed and turned away. I stood astounded at being young again and freed from the parasite. My grandson had actually done it. He'd made me an unappetizing meal, so the predator of mind and soul had moved on in search of a different snack. I returned home in a daze, and while I was sitting there processing all that had happened, the phone rang. I looked at it in awe and sadness. I knew who it was. It was Marjorie calling for the first time. For some trivial reason, she'd admit 30 years later was made up just to talk to me. But all I could see was her dying in that hospital bed. She was going to end in an unspeakable pain and loneliness. I would become an old man, left to sit by myself in an empty house. His soulmate, gone long before him. At the end of it all, the only thing I would have left, sitting and watching the falling snow. But now, thanks to my grandson, I would also have my memories. It would be a wild ride, no matter how it ended. On a sudden impulse, I picked up the phone. With a smile, I asked, Hey, who's this? Even though I knew already. Whoa. <laughs> that was insane. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> it was really, really good. I was like, where the fuck is this going? <laughs> it was a real thinker as well, wasn't it? I loved it. He, had, but he has a, a note. It says author's note on here. I want to read it. Great. Together, my grandfather and I did set out to write the tale of his life. Unfortunately, his Alzheimer's disease progressed rapidly, and we were never, never able to finish it. He's still alive, but I imagine that mentally he's in a better place than the nursing home. I like to think he's back in his younger days, living life and being happy, because the reality is much colder. It's snowing today. He loves the snow. When I visited him, he didn't recognize me. But he did smile as he sat looking out the window. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh. That's why I was like, I almost made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really sweet. Uh, I kind of figured like while I was listening that that was how it was aimed or what it was derived from, you know what I mean? But what a fucking story, though. Yeah. That was really, really good, impressive. I'm glad you found it. And you actually spoke to the author? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Hopefully he listens. Hopefully he enjoys it. Okay, again, I went a slightly different route. <laughs> um, Bring us back. Okay, I have one really short one, but I think it's shit. Um, and then this one I did pick out, but I didn't read it. Okay, so it's a surprise. 
A little bit. For everyone. Yeah. Very good. I liked Peppa Pig when I was a little boy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but what I watched scared the frick out of me. <laughs> One time, I was going downtown to find some Peppa Pig DVDs. What? But everywhere I would go, I could not find anything. I was about to give up and go back home, but I found one more shop. It was Walmart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a real small little hole in the wall place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We just have one in town. It's called like Walmart. You ever heard of Walmart? Yeah, I don't know. Like super unique. I asked myself. Oh, sorry. I should have gone on. I asked myself, why is Walmart in the United Kingdom? Mm. So I took a look. In there, there was a bunch of DVDs of shows like Pocoyo, Pingu, Bear in the Big Blue House, Teletubbies, and even Arthur. Did you have Bear in the Big Blue House growing up? I know they played it on TV, but I never watched it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like after our time. My little cousin used to call it Bear in the Big Blue Arse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ah, that made me feel better. I'm over here wiping tears off my face. <laughs> yeah, I feel a little bit un- insensitive. I've seen almost every episode of those shows, but never seen th- those episodes on those DVDs. I found a Peppa Pig DVD with two episodes called Daddy Pig Loses the Race and Daddy Pig's Revenge. I think it's... Why couldn't they call him like Papa Pig? It just seems... It's weird, right? It's kind of yeah. dirty or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like... Maybe it's us. Maybe we're I, the problem. No, it absolutely is. But like phonetically, like for alliteration yeah, purposes, I know, right? Papa Pig Papa just Pig, yeah. seems the smarter I love the it when you choice. call me Big Papa. <laughs> Big Papa. <laughs> I was decided to buy the DVD because it was the only Peppa Pig DVD there. I put it in my DVD and played all episodes. The beginning of the first one was normal, except in the background it was nighttime and there was blood on the title. What? The episode started off with Peppa and her family watching TV. I should probably read it like the uh, Peppa and her family watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The episode starts off with Peppa and her family watching TV. Daddy Pig said that he wanted to erase in something the Olympics or something. <laughs> The next day, Daddy Pig was in the race with some people also racing, and then the race started. Daddy Pig was struggling to get first, but then he tripped over and came last lace, and then he lost. Daddy Pig was so sad, so Peppa and her family had to go home. Daddy Pig and Mummy Pig were in bed. Mummy Pig were asleep, but Daddy Pig was awake with hyper-realistic eyes. What and he the looked- fuck? <laughs> It's <laughs> so out of place. And he looked very angry. Papa Pig sounds like he's about to <laughs> fucking lose it. He said, Wait, how does Papa Pig, how does Daddy Pig sound? Uh, He has like a really deep voice, okay. I think. He said, I have to get revenge on everyone. <laughs> they have to pay for it. Whoa. Episode ended. That's what prostitutes say. <laughs> The next episode didn't have an intro. It started with Daddy Pig going outside, killing everyone. Wow. Peppa woke up and saw him kill everyone. Then Peppa Pig screamed silently and and ran down the cellar. A silent scream is just a yawn, though. 
Could have been, could have been. <laughs> then Daddy Pig went home and went into Pepper and George's room. Oh, no. And then Daddy Pig holded the axe in the air. Then George woke up and gasped. And then the screen went black and Daddy Pig chopped him up. George's crying sounded just like his crying from the episode Lunch. And even Daddy Pig said, Oh, no, no, George. But it sounded like Grandpa Pig. What the fuck? I didn't even know he was a Grandpa Pig. After that, the screen went back to normal and Daddy Pig killed Mummy Pig. Then he got a grenade and threw at Susie Sheep's house and the school. After that, Peppa Pig got out of the cellar and called the cops about Daddy Pig. Mrs. Rabbit tried to get Daddy Pig, but she got chopped up into pieces too. After that, everyone in Peppa Pig land, including Peppa, tried to stop him. But he had an RPG and shot it at everyone, including (laughs) Peppa. Then Daddy Pig said to the screen with hyper-realistic eyes that were bleeding, You humans, I will kill all of you. You made me lose. And you made me do this. How? Your next barnacle head. Episode ended. Wrong fucking cartoon. Barnacle head? I don't fucking know what barnacle head is. Like like Spongebob. That's the insults on Spongebob. I was so scared that I got nightmares about this episode. I tried telling some of my friends, but nobody believed me except my best friend. I showed him the DVD and he got scared also, but I am aware Daddy Pig is somewhere and I will have to find out who made this. That's it. Oh, wow. That was yeah. so abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the last one I got is The Missed Call. A strange ringtone plays on your cell phone. <laughs> Who's the fuck is this? <laughs> Liam Neeson? <Lisa? laughs> I don't know where that came from. Sorry. <laughs> Just roll with it. Roll, okay. Liam, the Missed Call by Liam Neeson. <laughs> A strange ringtone plays on your cell phone. You reach for it, but whoever it was must have hung up. A wrong number, maybe. You look at the phone anyway. You've missed a call. You listen to it. When you put the phone to your ear, suddenly... You <laughs> to he- your ear. <laughs> suddenly, you hear a scream of pain. Mm. You toss the cell across the room, but you can still hear it. When you finally pick the phone up, you see who the call was from. You realize whose voice it was. Yours. I don't know. That was fucking that shit. Was awful. <laughs> and that's the wonderful world of creepy pasta. Okay, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. Yay! Spooky spaghetti. Spooky spaghetti. Ghoulish gnocchi. Nah. Uh, that's my wits. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I never got into the whole creepy pasta thing. To be honest, like there was a few stories that I heard, like over time, mm-hmm. that turned out to actually be have originated as creepy pastas. Yeah. Um, like that. I didn't really have the internet until later. Yeah, I didn't know what creepy pasta was, or, or I didn't know what creepy pastas were either until I became an adult. Yeah, but that fuck me though. That one was really good that you read, and then obviously I was just like playing with the ones that I picked out. Yeah, I was like, when you were like, I can't find any. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, I just found this one like first go. Yeah, I was trying to find like a nice balance, but anyway. Oh. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed that. 
Um, we'll probably do another one in like three or four months time. Um, we might actually start doing them more for Patreon if the Patreon members would enjoy that. If they're cool with that. Yeah, you they know. reach out, let us know. And um, yeah, I did get a request to do a Slenderman story. John Q. Slenderman. <laughs> but we will get to him. Um, all right. And yeah, that, that's it. All right. Cool. Thanks, right. everybody. All right. Um, you know what to do, guys. Do yep. the follows on the platforms. And I'm on TikTok. Come look at my cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actual cats. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Follow us everywhere. If you're following us, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please take a minute to uh, rate, review, subscribe. All that good stuff. Yeah. And, and you know what, guys? Today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the corner store, your local Tesco, CVS, Walgreens, pharmacy, whatever. I want you to go and I want you to buy yourself your favorite candy. And I want you to enjoy it. Because you know what? You fucking deserve it. Are, are you are you done? Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. And... uh also, if you are on YouTube and you enjoy watching us or and you enjoy listening to us, make sure to go subscribe to us on there because we only have like 50 subscribers. So it would be nice to build that up a little bit. Where? YouTube. Oh, we have 50 subscribers? 51, yeah. Wow, I'm surprised we have that many. Yeah, me too because like nobody watches it. Yeah. Um, join the Patreon. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Okay, <laughs>